Blog Talk Radio. Here's Galchenyuk, dancing in, scores! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in and shoots, scores! Alex Galchenyuk up with a drop, look at it, he's in the wall, waiting, scores! Well, let me see it, ladies and gentlemen, Akiyev, no, get up, yes! Oh, my stars, what a stop by Carey Price, Robin, Sidney Crosby. This is the Habs 360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. Senators, 
have three games in hand over the Montreal Canadiens under six points behind, so it's still a tight race. And then the Boston Bruins are third place with a 72 points. And I know last week we had a little bit concerned about the Montreal Canadiens' chances to make it into the playoffs. It was below 90% when we spoke uh, seven days ago. Now with their four consecutive wins, the Canadiens are back up to 99.2% chance of making it to the playoffs. So we're looking really good once again for the Montreal Canadiens. Our question of the day. Since our last episode, it was a big deadline to contribute to, to your RSPs, right? No, it was your deadline for the trade deadlines for, to make the trades for this season. And the question of the day is, well, after Mark Bergevin's trade day acquisitions, are the Canadians now built for a long run in the playoffs? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360, and you can also visit the All Habs Facebook page to leave your comments. And we're going to look at your comments in today's third segment. And the phone lines will also be open at uh, that time. And well, joining me now, Eric, your chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sight. Uh, we tried to trade him before the trade deadline. We weren't able to strike a deal, so he's back with us for a hopefully long long run in the playoffs. It's Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? And the funny thing is the asking price wasn't that high, so I, I don't really understand. Um, I'm happy to be here and, and particularly happy that uh, you start the, the show with the, the wind song. Now, we haven't heard that for a while, so it's, uh, it gets us pumped up and we're, I'm all ready to go. And if I remember correctly, I think it's only the second time we've played it this season. So that's, uh, that's not often. And we can't, unfortunately, we, we can't forget the last season. I don't think we played at all with that kind of season that the name had. So really happy as well to hear that song here on our podcast. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers on Habs 360. Most popular segment in the podcast world are the winners and the losers. Myself and Rick, we each pick a winner and a loser related to the Montreal Canadiens. And, well, we bring them to you, our, uh, our listeners. And because Habs 360 were the most informative and interactive podcast that you'll find out there. So, Canadians had a good week. We're going to begin with our winners. And, Rick, I'll give you the honors to go first. Well, uh, being uh, that it was such a good week, uh, there was uh, several to pick from. Um, you know, most notably maybe was Carey Price. He's He has, uh, under the, the Julian re- regime, uh, he's uh, been terrific. He's uh, under Julian. He has a 947 save percentage, 147 goals against average, um, and you know, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of difference, but people are saying that the, the, uh, the real carry price is back, but as good as he was, um, I'm going to turn this over my winner of the week to Alex Galchenyuk and, um, a bit of a, a mixed season, uh, let's say, uh, but he has 15 goals, um, Interestingly, that five of those goals are game winners, and he's uh, second in that category on the team, second only to Max Pacioretty, who has six. Um, I think what vaulted him into the top spot is, uh, we, you mentioned the, the four wins in a row for the Canadians. Um, in three of those games, Alex Galchenyuk was chosen as the first star. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, 
And it seems that when Alex Galchenyuk, is, he's playing on the second line, uh, not, not with uh, Pacioretty and Radulov, but he sees some time on the ice with uh, Pacioretty and Radulov on, on um, power play, the first wave of the power play, and also as, as we've had several um, um, games that have gone beyond regulation, as you've mentioned, uh, on the three-on-three, he's been out there um, as well with uh, uh, either Pacioretty or Radulov, and, and um, he's, he's just had a great week. I, I think the other piece that, that – um, uh, to the Galchenyuk puzzle, his, the, one of the major criticisms this year has been about his uh, face-off percentage. The Canadians went out and uh, spent a sixth-round pick to uh, bring in a face-off mentor for him, and that is Steve Ott. And uh, they were working in practice this week, uh, Ott with Galchenyuk, uh, teaching him the uh, ins and outs and tricks of the trade when it comes to face-off. So things are looking good for uh, Alex Galchenyuk and... Um, and we probably won't see him other than sporadically on that first line. But uh, nonetheless, he's been able to garner my uh, winner of the week. From the blue line, Nathan Bolduer on the other side. Marco right in front of Takes it behind the net. Radulov with it. Up to Shea Weber. To Galchenyuk. Fire scores! And he'll hold on to it. Back for Weber. Galchenyuk moving in. Radulov parked in front. Galchenyuk fires. Goal! And those were goals 12 to 15 for Alex Galchenyuk, including the goals against the New Jersey Devils and the Columbus Blue Jackets were game-winning goals, both in overtime. It seemed like a, a copy-paste of, uh, of each game. And along with the three goals, since our last episode, he also got two assists for a total of five points. So definitely a good week when it comes to uh, to Galchenyuk. And there was one game against the New Jersey Devils where he played a couple of shifts on on the wing, where which caused some you know eyebrows to to turn and look at towards the, the head coach. And Galchenyuk has been a constant. A uh, question that's been asked to uh, Claude Durier, and he was asked about uh, Galchenyuk again uh, yesterday before the team added to the Rangers. That's what uh, the coach had to say. Uh, and uh, Alex, at the same time, uh, you, you want to make sure he's a young centerman that, the, you know, if you give him too much responsibility, m- maybe he doesn't get that opportunity. And when you've seen them together, it's been maybe sometimes offensive zone faceoffs, power plays, but, uh, you know, uh, in a five-on-five game from start to finish, you know, it's in my estimation, anyway, I'm not there yet. You know, I want to continue to work with him and and help him uh, get better without the puck because there's no doubt he's skilled. But at the same time... All right, so that's uh, Claude Julien and Rick, I was talking to to Gus, who is a lifelong Bruins fan, so he's been following closely uh, uh, Claude Julien's tenure when he was with the Bruins. Over the over the last ten couple of uh, seasons or not, and what he was telling me is that when Claude Julien was in Boston, when a forward, when he wasn't responsible defensively, and because Claude Julien, his what he comes in with his system is a structured defense and then more liberty in the offensive zone. So he thinks that Galchenyuk 
isn't uh, a closure type of player, and he thinks that if Galchenyuk doesn't improve his game in his own zone by uh, by the end of this season, he sees Galchenyuk not starting next year with uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, are you? Uh, how concerned are you of Galchenyuk and his playing in his defensive zone? Well, I, you know, I un, I understand that uh, um, that criticism, but um, of of him needing to improve his uh, defensive game and having more responsibilities um, at at first line center and going up against you know some of the the better opposition players, but all of that's all of that breaks down. Um, when you see who is the first line center, it's Philip Dano, who isn't any better. Uh, when you look at um, goals against per 60, there's not a lot of difference between Galchenyuk and, and Dano. Um, there hasn't been through, through the, the season. Now, maybe, maybe um, um, Julien is, is a little more protective of Galchenyuk, given that he has a higher ceiling. Um, than Deno uh, and that Deno is, you know, Deno can always go back to the third line and, and be fine and, 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 you know, nothing, nothing lost there. But if Galchenyuk uh, fails, uh, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to see uh, your, your third overall pick being uh, down in that way. So he's being more patient. He's, he's, he's taking that teaching role that, that he talked about. And, and I, I don't have a problem with that. The, the, the issue is that, we're not at the we're not at the beginning of the season where you have a lot of time. Um, so I think that's why Habs fans are getting a little antsy because um, you know that uh, this is this is the run for the playoffs and and uh, they want to they want to see um, Galchenyuk put in a, a position to succeed. Um, Julian's taking a little bit more patient approach. That's okay. I I, I don't I'm not terribly worried that he's not a not necessarily a Julian kind of player I'm not necessarily worried about seeing um, seeing him him uh, walk um, I, I I doubt very highly that Mark Bergeron is uh, Bergevin is is uh, uh, ready to give up on on Galchenyuk just yet so we'll see how that goes from now till the end of the, the season full season as well for the Canadians and see how that how that works out because who knows if Claude doesn't see an improvement on Galchenyuk, he might have that conversation with his uh, with his GM. So we'll keep our eye on that. But uh, that being said, Galchenyuk, very worthy recipient of a, of a winner of the week. Uh, on my end, uh, for my winner of the week, well, it's the, the ceremony that was done around P.K. Subban's return on the Thursday night at the Bell Center. Now, when earlier in the season, when Shea Weber returned to Nashville, in, so they played a video for their former captain during a TV timeout. And then there was a talk around what would the Canadians do when P.K. Subban returned. We all know there's a talk that you know, maybe P.K. Subban wasn't liked here in Montreal uh, by his teammates, by management, etc. So everybody was pretty curious on what would happen on March 2nd when the PK would return. And what we saw, we saw was a very nice, a very classy video with the best moments of uh, PK Subban in Montreal. It definitely PK Subban did get emotional. We're able to see uh, tears 
uh, in his eyes, the spotlight of the Bell Center was on him during the, the ceremony, and you know PK does love having the, the spotlight on him. And we even saw at the end of the ceremony, he blew a kiss to uh, the, to Miss Bellivo, who was sitting in uh, the crowd. And PK Subban during the video and after the video, I should say, he did get a loud ovation from the crowd at the Bell Center, and. Well, I can't remember the last time that a former Montreal Canadiens player got such a loud ovation. Where, okay, I'm not saying it's 50 years or it's never happened before. It's happened, but it's been a while that um, that it didn't happen. And Rick, uh, I think the Canadians did a good job to uh, to handle P.K. Subban's return in Montreal. Yeah, I, I think uh, Guy Lafleur's ovation was pretty good when when he came back, um, but. Uh, you're right. I, I thought the, the Canadians did a did a great job. Um, it was a very uh, fitting tribute from the organization. I liked that they had it before the game, not to because um, it was an important game, not to disturb the game. Uh, it was a chance for all the fans to to uh, express their gratitude um, for uh, Subban's service uh, to the Canadians. Uh, and as you said, we saw some some genuine emotion from from PK. I mean, he has a, a flair for the dramatics, so the blowing of the kiss and all that sort of thing. But um, I, I I thought it was uh, for for the most part, it was it was all very well done. And and um, and kudos to everybody. So congratulations for the Canadians for winner of the week. Uh, Let's move on now to our losers of the week. And Rick, want to tell us who yours is? Well, what people don't understand is that this is this is a complicated process. There's there's so many rules um, when you submit your loser of the week. I I had a great story. I had a terrific loser of the week. Um, it was our sister city, St. John's. There's a big sports controversy in St. John's. No, it's not about the ice caps. It's about a seven-year-old boy who was disqualified after winning the city bowling championships because he was wearing the wrong color pants. They were supposed to be black. He wore charcoal gray. He was disqualified. Now there's loser of the week. And no, that was, that was, that was vetoed by the committee. Uh, I tried some other ones, Bill, uh, Bill Peters, his tirade about Eddie Lack. No, that was, that was canceled too. Um, I appealed, of course. I went through the appeal process. That was denied. So I, I gave up this week. I did not pick a loser of the week. I, I turned over my loser of the week pick to the um, fans of the Edmonton Oilers. And I said, okay, Edmonton Oilers fans, who, would you, who do you think the loser of the week is? And they, there was an avalanche response, and they all came back with, the GM of the Edmonton Oilers, Peter Shirelli. And it was about the acquisition of our friend, David D'Arnais. Seems Oilers fans are not very happy about this one. They're not very happy. I, I, think, there was, I think there was genuine affection for uh, Brandon Davidson, the, the defenseman that was sent back, 25-year-old defenseman from, from the Oilers. He's not having a great season, uh, but there is, uh, you know, what, what um, Mark Bergeron saw was there is promise there. Um, the Oilers were, were probably um, going to lose them in the expansion draft. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, 
it's not a surprise that they were willing to let him go, but um, you know, the, the, the Oilers were going into the trade deadline. So I'm told they were wanting a veteran. They were wanting uh, a third line center. They were wanting someone who could win a lot of face-offs. They were wanting someone to bring a lot of character to the team. And, um, you know, fans, um, we had, um, uh, David Staples from the Edmonton Journal, he, he wrote, I don't like this trade. I don't like it one bit. We had TSN's Ray Ferraro that was very negative about the trade. Um, there was, uh, from Hockey Night in Canada, uh, Craig Simpson, he said, this is a head scratcher. I don't get this at all for, from the perspective of the Oilers. Um, and when you looked at Shirelli's comments, he said, um, well, he, he said, this is not a sexy pick, <laughs> but a sexy trade, uh, which, okay, that's, that's an understatement. Um, and he said, uh, but, but uh, he's not a, you know, Darnay is not a, a, a big player, but he's strong on the puck, which, okay, we know, no, he isn't. Um, and but I thought was was most inter- interesting. Shirelli said, um, I saw him a lot of years um, when he played us in Boston. I thought he was a player. So now that's a couple years removed. So he's thinking of of you know Darnay a couple years back playing with Pacioretty and and you know good vision, good passer, uh, fed Pacioretty the puck. Um, so I think that's what he has in his mind. Um, I wondered. I wondered myself if um, this goes back to early February and I was in a press box and I was with um, uh, just say an Oilers official and it was the Oilers were playing the, the Canadians um, and it was that game that was zero zero and it went to a shootout. Remember that one? Yep. Um, and um, he said to me, the Oilers official said, he he, he told me, about what what to expect from from their shooters um, at the uh, and that they were kind of predictable. So I wonder if if um, uh, if they're expecting Darnay to help with the shootout as well. Um, I, that's just a guess on my part, just based on his comments. Uh, interestingly enough, the the Oilers went on to win that game in the shootout. Um, Drysaddle uh, got the goal, but for the most part, I think there's real disappointment, real anger, um, from what I'm hearing from Oilers fans and and uh, and some of the hockey critics there. And so they, not me, they pick um, Peter Shirelli as uh, the loser of the week. And I'm sure uh, the comments that were made was GM also part of it was probably trying to uh, welcome. Darnay to his team and saying some positive things. And the Canadians did retain 20% of the salary, which is about six seven $700,000. I think with the Edmonton Oilers, David Darnay will be a good uh, third liner. I think that's what his role is in the, uh, the NHL. And I, he's probably going to get some time on the second uh, power play unit of uh, the Edmonton Oilers. And let's hear now from Canadians' captain, Max Pacioretty, who spoke about his, well, his now former colleague, Dana. 
Well, you know, uh, it's mixed feelings because, you know, Davey was out of the lineup, so you want to see him get an opportunity. You know he's a great player. I know he's a great player, and I know that um, given an opportunity, he's going to be able to, you know, show what he's got. Um, I've always believed in Davey. He's always proved people wrong, and uh, maybe a fresh start is what he needed. So as, as a friend, I'm, I'm happy for him that he can get an opportunity, um, but I'm also going to miss him. And uh, well, also, Max Trey is going to miss him. Guaranteed you were good friends. Uh, them, them too. But now the question that I have that I'm going to throw out there, I'm going to leave everybody to think about it, is now that Michel Thierry and David Dernier are no longer with the team, well, who are we going to blame next time the Canadians lose a game? Because they seem to be getting all the blame over the last uh, couple of seasons. J.J. Daniel. <laughs> There's a hint. Uh, let's go move on now to uh, to my loser, my losers of the week. And well, for me, it was the the fans that have been booing at the Bell Center uh, ever since uh, Claude Julien took over the team. There was lots of booing in the game against the Winnipeg Jets. It was and a reminder that the Canadians came back from their from their bye week on the Friday at 4 p.m. That was Claude Julien's first practice. And then the Saturday, the day after, at 2 o'clock, they already had their first game. Canadians didn't look good in that game as well. Then, in the next home game against the New York Islanders, Canadians, they lost 3 to nothing. They didn't look good. They got booed once again. And then even on Thursday night, in the third period, uh, there was some booing during that game, too. There was some booing uh, towards P.K. Subban when he was touching the puck, and I think that's fine, right? That's typical Montreal. That's what they do when a former Habs player or a superstar comes back in town. But they're also booing the player of the Montreal Canadiens. I find it kind of harsh. New coach, the Canadiens have been 5-2 and two in their last seven games since Claude Julien um, joined the team. Let Claude Julien take his time to put his system in place. And I think slowly, slowly we're starting to see Canadians uh, starting to play a different type of game. And as you see it from the results, they won five out of seven games. If this would have been last season where the Canadians would have been miserable, I definitely understand the point. But right now, let's just relax and uh, let's give the team a chance to continue. They're still first place in uh, the Eastern Conference. So those of you who are at the Bell Center and you booed, well, you are my losers of this week. So we're going to take a break here in the Habs 360 podcast till to come. Our question of the day, after the trade day acquisitions, are the Canadians now built for a long run in the playoffs? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360, and you can also leave your comments on the All Habs Facebook page. But coming up next, did Mark Bergevin do a good job on uh, during trade deadline? We'll talk about that and more. Stay with us. This is Habs360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com 
are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs 360 podcast and follow Habs 360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 201 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, March 4th, 2017. My name is Chris G, along with Rick Stevens from allhabs.net. And well, where did the Canadians do the trade deadline? Well, let's uh, let's find out. It all started on Monday, and a trade that we knew that was coming. We spoke about it last week with uh, Craig Padron, with his wife, and apparently he's been made available for a long time. Well, Monday the Canadians were able to complete a trade. They sent Craig Padron to and the fourth round draft pick to the Dallas Stars in return for uh, Jordy. Uh, ben, so let's hear first from uh, Nathan Bowyer, who has who was Ben's partner uh, in the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then we'll hear from the coach on uh, what he thought on Ben following that same game as well. Really liked uh, how solid he was, and um, he moves the puck uh, pretty well out of the zone, which is which is really nice. So I thought we complemented each other real well. It's not easy playing on the right side as a lefty, so I thought he did a really good job and. For uh, our first uh, audition together, I thought we played pretty good. Well, the one thing, Nordy, he talks a lot. You know, he does. On the ice, he's, he's a great, uh, you know, we could hear him from the bench talking to his partner. So communication is such a big thing that uh, sometimes I, I feel it's gotten lost over the years uh, in, in our game. And uh, uh, we go back to our days when we, we did a lot of talking on the ice. But uh, Jordy's one of those guys that, Talks a lot, so it it makes his part job a lot easier, and uh, that's such an important uh, trait to have. And uh, so I think uh, Nathan can certainly uh, benefit from that, having a partner that's going to talk to him a lot. So Ben has played two games with the Montreal Canadiens, and well, we even saw him in the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, so I guess the National Predators. It was on Thursday, where he broke up a two-on-one with a with a dive on a clean play. He was blocking shots. It looks like he was playing on the penalty kill, so that's definitely going to help with the uh, ice time 
uh, Andre Markov, I, I think they're probably trying to manage his minutes as well going forward and into uh, the playoffs. Uh, we heard the coach was uh, pretty happy with him. Nathan Boyer seemed to be uh, happy with playing with him as well. And Rick, I know it's a small sample with what we've seen with the Montreal Canadiens so far, uh, not taking away anything from uh, Craig Patterson, but so far I think that uh, Jordy Ben is an upgrade to, uh, to Craig Patterson. A little bit, yeah, I think so. I, I, I like Jordy Ben. I like the the acquisition. I, I like the way he's played. I think I think he's getting. You know, uh, there's that honeymoon period where everybody are, are they're gushing over Jordy Ben much the same way they gushed over Nesterov, and that's that's declined. I don't see that same decline happening with Jordy Ben, um, but you know he is a third pairing defenseman, um, and but a solid one, uh, and I really like the way they've paired Ben with Shea Weber on the penalty kill. Those two together, wow, they're. They're solid. That big improvement, and as you say, um, the the minutes that uh, uh, that helps with with Andre Markov. Um, so I think, and I and I understand this is a this is a good move for Dallas as well. They again uh, planning for the expansion draft. They were figuring that they were going to lose Jordy Ben in the um, expansion draft. So to get uh, Greg Patteron and and a fourth round pick, um, they're happy. Um, you know, if, if, if the Canadians lose Jordy Ben, um, in, in, uh, the expansion draft, so did they trade away, uh, Greg Pattern and a fourth for nothing, you know, th- those are the kinds of things that as we get further away from the, it's, it, you know, the evaluation is going to be more complete, but I guess the same thing could be said about Brandon Davidson as well. Um, but all of that, all of that factors in, but I, I think so far, uh, Jordy Ben's been, exactly what um, Canadians have, have needed. And, and, you know, as I tweeted, um, Jordy Ben and, and Dwight King were uh, acquired to kill off the penalties of Steve Ott and, and, uh, and Andrew Shaw. So um, it all kind of strategic there for Mark Bergevin. So that's a great segue to move on to uh, talk about the Steve Ott who was acquired early in the trade deadline. It was uh past midnight on uh, on March 1st, and the Canadians acquired him from the Detroit Red Wings for a sixth-round uh, draft pick. Let's hear first from uh, Steve Ott, and then we'll hear from uh, the coach. My game is, uh, obviously, I'm a, I think I'm a strong penalty killer. Uh, I take a lot of pride in the face-off dot as well, and I, I take a lot of pride in, in competing hard. And um, you know what? Uh, Obviously, I, I want to, you know, help my teammates out any way I can, and uh, if it drags somebody else in in the physical battle or, or continue to work hard, uh, that's something that I'll try to do as well. Steve Ott is a is a great team guy. He's great on draws. He great he's great as a penalty killer, and you know, he's one of those guys that you'll utilize at different times, and and always going to be a good asset. But... And well, Steve Ott. He's good at the face-off circle, and like like you mentioned, Rick, uh, in the first segment, he did help Galchenyuk uh, yesterday in uh, Brossard, so so that's definitely a plus if he's able to help him. He's an agitator, but Rick, that being said, I think for a sixth-round draft pick, cheap acquisition, overall, I, I'm okay with that uh, deal. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't make too much of this, this deal um, beyond him being a uh, face-off mentor. Um, I think that 
much like the the Oilers are doing with Dayarnay, they are kind of reminiscing about the the Dayarnay of old, um, and and that's what Canadians fans are doing with Steve Ott. Steve Ott hasn't been very good this year, um, and he isn't the Steve Ott that he was two years ago. Um, so that that you know agitator Steve Ott isn't very good in in a fight uh, anymore. Uh, you kind of cringe when when you see him drop the gloves. Um, uh, he he does agitate, but he takes a lot of bad penalties too. And uh, so yeah, he prides himself on being a penalty killer, but more often than not, he's in the box when uh, his team is shorthanded. Um, I I I you know it's fine bringing him in to to help out with the uh, with, with the faceoffs. Um, I. I it's it's okay. Uh, it, it's okay. Uh, the next trade that was announced on trade deadline for the Canadians was they acquired Dwight King from the Los Angeles Kings. So uh, there goes that uh, he had a perfect game to play in LA. Canadians acquired him for a fourth round draft pick in the 2018. Let's hear uh, the GM Berger, uh, Mark Bergevin on uh, the reasons on acquiring him. I mean, Dwight King uh, has played in uh, in L.A. He's a player that could play on uh, – uh, you could move up up and down the lineup. He's played with Kopitar at times uh, this year. Uh, he's won two Stanley Cup. Uh, I'm sure he could chip in offensively. So Dwight King played on the fourth line in the game against the National Predators. He just came in from L.A. that day. But uh, Claude Julien, in one of the press conferences that he had uh, since his acquisition, he left the door open as well that the Dwight King can, can move around in the lineup and maybe eventually we'll see him on the third line or a second line uh, later on in the season. He's a, he's a bigger guy, so the, the, uh, he's a bigger player. And, well, for it's still a small sample size. Uh, Rick, the, the scouting report seems to be good on him for a fourth-round pick. Again, I think it was, it's a low-risk uh, trade done by Canadians. I like Dwight King. I like the kind of game he plays. I like the kind of character he brings. Um, but this one is – this one, uh, you mentioned that it's fourth round. Uh, this is actually a conditional pick. It, it could be a third round if Canadians re-sign him. That's getting a little expensive now. Um, and – I guess my overall um, assessment of Bergevin on the day, the, the, the thing that kind of stuck in my craw a bit is not only did he not acquire uh, a scorer, um, and we can talk about that in a minute, but, but um, he, he brought in three rentals. And for a, a non, let's be honest, the Canadians aren't, aren't contending for the cup this season that seems a little odd to to bring in three rentals if you're if you have your core if you have everything settled and you're just you know adding around the edges uh, to to give yourself depth and 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 fill in you bring in some rentals if you're going for the cup I don't see the Canadians as cup contenders I didn't understand him bringing in a bunch of rentals um, in this situation otherwise if we look at it individually. Dwight King's fine. Um, like I say, my, my criticism is more um, Bergevin's overall strategy towards the uh, trade deadline. 
Yeah, and that's uh, part of our question of the day. If the Canadians are built for a long run in the playoffs, we'll get back to that in a, a couple of of uh, in a couple of minutes here on the Habs 360 uh, podcast. Uh, on the day following the trade deadline, uh, there was a clip from uh, Michael McCarron that uh, I'd like everybody to listen to. Yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, it puts it puts a little bit of pressure on us to play at our highest level every game, which is which is good for us. I mean, it's it's uh, we're gonna come to the rink uh, ready to play at uh, at our highest level every every day now, and um, not like I wasn't, but um, there's just been a bit more more pressure on you that you gotta, you gotta come to the rink and, and ready to play. So um, I'm excited for this opportunity, and and I'm excited that I'm still in the lineup and and I'm gonna show show how I can play. So also, like you mentioned, it's three rental players, players who will probably spend. All their playing time, if not all of it, with the Canadians playing in the bottom six spot, and that's what Michael McCarron is, uh, where he's been playing. And since the trade deadline, there's no more roster limit uh, on NHL teams, so they can hold more than 23 players as long as they don't go over the, the salary cap. So I'm pretty sure that we're going to see Michael McCarron stay with the Canadians for uh, the rest of uh, the season, but he's going to have to earn his spot. To make sure he stays in uh, in the lineup, because well, if he's going to have a bad game, if he's not going to be uh, playing well, there's players that are going to be waiting, that are waiting to uh, take a spot in the roster. So Rick, might be a good uh, a good pressure for to put on McCarron. I suppose so, um, but for a team that's trying to, for a coach that's trying to build the confidence. Um, of of his players, a, a fragile group of players. This seems to be kind of going the opposite direction. We remember uh, Greg Patteron saying he always felt like either the coach or somebody was breathing down his neck. Well, now all players, or certainly the 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 folks in the bottom six, are going to be feeling that pressure every single night. Uh, I don't know how what that does for the the confidence. Um, so you know. It, Bergevin said he didn't add scoring, but they created internal competition um, uh, with with his trade deadline ads. Um, okay, I, I I guess so, uh, but why not add scoring? Uh, that's and and let me say, you know, for for everybody out there, I wouldn't have wanted them to 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 give up a a major piece, a, a prospect, a, you know, high draft pick, all those kinds of things. Um, but um, and and this goes back to where where uh, Bergevin has painted himself into a corner. I think we mentioned that last week by not acquiring the offense that he needed last summer when he should have, and by not developing properly and creating the, the conditions so that that players could transition up. Um, so it it's I think I think a lot of the problems are are Bergevin created himself. Uh, the fact that there was players out there, you know, I don't understand the whole Verbata situation could have helped the, the Canadians. Um, I don't know what in the world uh, the Coyotes are doing, holding on to him. Um, uh, Phil Pillow, uh, you know, c- could have been that, that scoring ad that could have helped. And we saw him move and I don't know why, um, you know, he, he went to the Flyers instead of the Canadians. Um but I so I think that that Bergevin's got to accept a mixed grade a grade for what he did on the trade deadline. 
Um, and a lot of, a lot of the, the problems that he, he was facing were, were of his own making. I like, again, we, we always try to, and in, uh, I bet you he goes for about every single team in the league that uh, scoring is at a premium and you like to add scoring, but it's not out there. And if it ever was, the price was, I mean, you don't get something without giving up anything and then you're going sideways. So you try to move forward. So, and you don't want to hurt your team. So we feel comfortable again, you know, with uh, with what we had, and obviously size was a, was an issue with us. We're I know we're small, but we're, we're a fast team. I don't want to lose the pace that we have, but at the same time, I think we're able to accomplish a little bit of both. So there you go. So there's the reasoning behind uh, Mark Bergevin why he didn't get uh, any scoring on trade deadline. It's it's hard to get them, and I, I agree. On the part of it where at trade deadline you're probably overpaying to get the, uh, a top player to try to score, I think it's a type of thing that you have to take care of uh, during the uh, the off season. So we'll see if he'll be able to. Well, what he's going to do during this off season? There's the whole Radulov question, and then if he if they resign Radulov, they'll still need some more help on the uh, top six. Uh, one more trade for the Montreal Canadiens. It was a one-on-one trade. Uh, between the Habs and the Avalanche, Sven Andrighetto was traded to uh, Colorado in return for Andreas Martinson, the left winger, 6'3", 220 pounds, in 55 games this year with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, he got a total of uh, seven points. To me, this trade is just, uh, you know, just trading a Similar players, not a big deal on um, on my end. And when Mark Bergevin was asked why uh, he did this trade, he brought up the name of uh, Charlie Don. We're going to talk about him in a, a couple of moments. And, well, that was it for the Canadians, what they did on trade deadline. Uh, when it comes to uh, my my thoughts, ideally, I would have liked the Canadians to add some uh, some scoring. If they're really serious of being all in, like it was reported uh, throughout the last couple of weeks, with the acquisitions that the Canadians made now to trade deadline, the changes that they made, I don't think he were they were able to uh, to accomplish that. But we're going to take a quick break. Uh, on the other side, we're going to tackle our question of the day: Are the Canadians now built for a long run in the playoffs? You can let us know. Get to it at Habs360. You can leave your comments on the All Habs Facebook page, and you can give us a call toll-free at 1-877-455-4945. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featuring For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, 
entertained and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Ice Caps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. This edition of the Ice Caps Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the St. John's Ice Caps, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. All right, time now for the Ice Caps Report on the Habs 360 podcast. And, well, like I mentioned uh, right before the break, when Mark Preservain spoke about the the trade of Sven Andrigetto to Colorado, the one of the reasons he mentioned is because they have a player like um, like uh, Charles Ridon, who's who's been playing well in uh, St. John's, and Rick. I've been following uh, the work of Charles Ludon and, uh, and Chris Terry as well, but mostly from the score sheets. I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of games, but you, you've been following the, the ice caps really closely, watched all, uh, most of the games, not all of the games, but lately it seems that Ludon uh, and Terry have both been pretty hot. Uh, they both have. Um, I think that um, it that when... Um... It, it's it's really interesting to me because um, there isn't a day that goes by uh, when we don't get a question about why hasn't Charles Houdon been called up yet. Um, both the you know the, the AHL report, um, our Twitter account, and and even as we're speaking today, there's a, um, Adam Taylor says I think uh, Houdon needs to be given a chance. I, that's that's kind of over and over and over again, we hear that. And even from the media and that question that um, uh, Bergevin was asked was from a media member saying, why, you know, do you think that uh, Houdon's going to be called up now? Um, Bergevin said, well, one of the reasons we traded Andrew Ghetto um, and, and was the, uh, for, from an offensive standpoint, we feel we can replace it with either Houdon or Chris Terry. Um, and people may not know Chris Terry. People, I, you know, they, they seem to know Charles Houdon very well. They don't know Chris Terry. Um, yet, 
it's Chris Terry that has been, as, you know, even if Charles Sudan has been, been hot, it's Chris Terry that's, um, that's led that team all season and actually was, uh, had a terrific uh, February. Um, Chris Terry was the, play, the AHL player of the month uh, for February. Uh, I think it was 18 points he got in, in February. Um, he's second in the AHL right now in scoring, uh, which is astonishing because Chris Terry missed 18 games, AHL games, while he was called up with the Canadians, played 14 games uh, with the Canadians. So he missed 18 games in the AHL season, yet he's still second in scoring. For comparison, um, Charles Houdon, who is having a decent season too, is 57th in AHL scoring. So while we constantly talk about Charles Houdon and how he can help the Canadians, I I don't know why we're not focusing on Chris Terry, who has 21 goals, uh, the same as, as Charles Houdon has 21 goals. Uh, Terry has doubled the number of assists, more than double the number of assists. Um, so 51 points in just 30, 39 games. AHL Player of the Month. He was an AHL All-Star, and he leads the, um, uh, the ice caps, of course, in scoring. And this week, he signed a new contract, a one-way contract, um, for the 2017-18 season with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so quite a season, quite an accomplishment. And I think uh, with all due respect to Charles Houdon, who, you know, is having a good season, still has uh, a lot of things to work on and, and uh, will probably uh, get his chance next year. Um, we should be spending more time speaking the name of Chris Terry. Yeah, and uh, we'll probably take a look at this again in in one of the upcoming episodes. But I also think that the the Chris Terry contract extension had something to do with the expansion draft uh, as well, because one of the requirements is every team must expose at least two forwards who are under contract in 2017-18 and have played at least 40 or more NHL games last season or 70 games in the prior two seasons. So I think Chris Terry falls under that requirement. And if you go through the list of the Canadian forwards, it uh, doesn't seem like there's too many, but uh, we'll definitely take a look at that uh, in an upcoming episode. This edition of the Ice Caps Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the St. John's Ice Caps, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. All right, our question of the day here on episode 201 of the Habs 360 podcast for the Saturday, March 4th, 2017 is, are the the Canadians now built for a long run in the playoffs? So let's see first what uh, your followers have to say on the Twitter and the Habs 360 Twitter account. Uh, Mo Bouchard Right, Habs are better off now. Mitchell needs to sit. Curious about Martinson. Want to see Ott versus Ottawa. So thank you for the tweet, Mo. And we are going to see him against the Senators because it's in a couple of weeks. Canadians are playing three games against the Senators in uh, eight days. Uh, next tweet comes from uh, Don Catani from Thunder Bay. Don writes, a very good job at the deadline. 
shed some salary plus picked up some big inexpensive players like what I see. Mofo writes, they need scoring and gritty players. Got the grit anyways. So thank you for the tweet, Mofo. Uh, Rick, Rick Ricks writes, considering what other teams are asking for their stars, Habs, Mark Benjamin did a great job. So thank you for the tweet, Rick. Then the next tweet comes from, uh, from Peter G. He writes, a majority of Habs fans think they'll be lucky to get past the second round. So that's, so that's a good question, Rick. Like, what do we consider long, a long run in the playoffs? Is making it to the second run, the second round, considered a long playoff run, or looking at least the conference final? No, I think I think a, a long run um, is is uh, is conference final kind of territory. Um, and I, you know, it's it's debatable to say whether um, whether that's going to happen, but you know. Um, Questionable rosters have have uh, uh, when they get hot and and uh, with a good goaltending have have uh, uh, you know been able to to do some damage. So um, you know even and, even even when we look back in the mo- most recent um, uh, past, uh, they were able to. That wasn't much of a roster that uh, Jacques Martin and Kirk Muller had, and and uh, they did pretty well. Yeah, for sure. And I think like in terms of evaluation for Mark Bergevin, if he was all in like he was reported to, then I don't think he did a good job to a uh, trade deadline. But did he make the team better than it was before the deadline? I think the answer to that is yes. So depending on what his goal was, for sure that whether the Canadians were all in or not, we we don't know what the answer to, uh, to that question is. So Rick, what does it look like on the All Have Facebook page? On the All Habs Facebook page, again, we've asked the question, are the Canadians now built for a long run in the playoffs? We hear from Travis Bullen, who says, nope, uh, short and sweet. Uh, maybe we'll get more from Linda Hansen-Eccles. How does she answer the question? She says, nope. So <laughs> they're, short and, they're short and sweet, sweet here. Uh, Jeremy Foote says, I think they'll do some damage, but they will not take the East. Uh, Gord Linus says, I'll say for the 100th time, Deno is not a number one center on any team in the NHL. Bruce Saunders says, Canadians are definitely a bigger and better team today than they were a week ago. Kerry has found his game, and as always, he remains the key. Um, Andre Bouchard says, Jordy Ben and Dwight King are soon to be to be fan favorites, those two moves uh, alone significantly approved, improved the Habs. Mark Bergevin continues to amaze me. Well, wow, there's lots of love coming from Andre Bouchard. Kind of rare. Uh, go ahead. It's kind of rare that we get that for, for the GM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's I wanted to read read that particular one. Um VJ Agard says, after all these years calling for size, yes, now we have size. I like this team to do some damage in the playoffs. Plus, with CJ at the controls, they are better today. For sure, go, Habs, go. Wow, look at that. Um, Peter Graham says, the addition of bigger players is going to create more room for the fast, creative players. 
that seems to be the, the you know what people have were were saying um and we'll see if if that happens uh that didn't happen against uh Nashville um it's it's kind of ironic cuz two of the smallest players on the team scored Brendan Gallagher and Paul Byron but it had nothing to do with with bigger players opening up the ice for him it was uh, on Gallagher's goal, he drove to the net and and uh, and kind of got lucky as a, as it kind of caromed in. Um, and Paul Byron was just flat out foot race that uh, that he won. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe that's the case. But um, but it's clear that Mark Bergevin is is feeling that um, you know we talked about secondary scoring early in the in the season that was carrying the team that was kind of a bonus, you know, take it and run, but don't expect it to, to continue. Well, Mark Bergevin is expecting it to continue. Um, and if that's the case, the, the Canadians are going to need at least a goal a game from their secondary scoring had a good, uh, you know, uh, a good start in Nashville. Let's see if that, that can continue. I'm just an interesting uh, stat. Since February 2nd, so for the entire month of February, uh, Montreal forwards have scored at least one goal. Pacioretty, Galtrenyuk, Radulov, Shaw, Byron, and Gallagher. Nobody else has, has scored. And, and like you just mentioned, Byron and Gallagher scored it uh, in the last game against the, uh, the National Predators. So we'll need definitely some uh, more secondary scoring from now until the end of the season and uh, heading into the playoffs. So... So thank you very much, everybody, for your uh, comments on the Ops Facebook page and your tweets at uh, Habs360. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on Habs360. And, Rick, for this week's bad tweet, we're going to have to go to a tweet that you received directly on uh, Thursday night during the Predators game. I did. I'm just going to mention before we get there a good tweet, at least a tweet that, that I enjoyed a lot. And it was from our former buddy, uh, former Habs defenseman, Hal Gill. And it was during the trade deadline. And he, he tweeted, it's been three years of retirement, and I'm still stressed out on trade deadline day. <laughs> so giving us an indication of, of uh, what players feel. Uh, the, the, the bad tweet, we remember in the, um, the Nashville game that um, uh, Mike Fisher uh, took uh, – Alexei Emelin's head and just rammed it into the glass. No call at all. Uh, no penalty, nothing. Um, it took a while for uh, Emelin to, to get off the ice. And um, I, I publicly thank this person uh, for, because we needed a, a bad tweet of the week. And this comes from Double H, uh, Harley Hagerdorn, um, who tweeted to me, Emelin deserves every bit of that. Uh, and that will be our bad tweet of the week. Yeah, I don't think we need to explain that anymore. I think uh, the word says it all. All right, so the Canadians heading to a four-game road trip, three games in uh, the West Coast in Canada, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. But first, they make a stop to New York tonight when they face the New York Rangers. And while the playoffs would have started Tonight, it would be the Canadians against the New York Rangers. The only difference would be that the game would be in Montreal and not in Madison Square Garden. So, Rick, potentially this game between the Canadians and the Rangers tonight, 
it should be an interesting game because both these teams, they know that right now they'd be facing each other, so it might become a quite intense game tonight. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, uh, playoff atmosphere. We've seen a couple of games uh, this week with a bit of a playoff atmosphere. Um, this should be one tonight, and, uh, and really looking, to, looking forward to it. Yeah, and let's see. We're going to see how the Canadians, if they're ready, how they're looking compared to those uh, to the New York Rangers with a couple of new faces on uh, their roster. So, Rick, thank you very much. Are we done already? Wow, this went really fast. Uh, great show. Thanks. Uh, thanks again to all of our, our uh, uh, followers on Twitter and Facebook, and we're always glad to hear from you. Yeah, and thank you very much as well to everybody who listened to us uh, on a week-by-week basis. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. We'll be back again next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for another edition of the Habs 360 podcast. Enjoy the week. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.